Here we go. The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With 404. Missing link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. So I was just saying we go through, uh, you know, all of the research and uh, planning and preparing to do the show. And then by the time I sit down, I'm like, you know what? Let's just let's just go with the flow. Let's just see what happens. I think because I have like a sort of ingrained resistance to structure, but it's more like the best example would be uh, like music theory. When I was learning how to play the guitar, my uh, uncle, I mean, we, we didn't have like a close relationship, but he played the guitar too. And, and, uh, I started playing young enough that he was kind of in and out of the conversation as it was going on. And he talked about music theory and gave me some books or recommended some books or something. I can't really remember. It was, and it was kind of like boiled down to the science of what was, you know, what music was, what playing the guitar was and composing. And I was kind of like, yeah, but it's art. And Art doesn't really have any rules because art is different to everybody. And so I kind yeah, of approach subjective. I kind of approach all of my creative projects with that, you know, sort of break the rules, don't stay inside the lines because you're not really doing anything new if you're like following the structure and the outline of all of the people that have done this particular thing before you. So that being said, uh, what the hell is going on over there? <laughs> um, uh, over, uh, over here in Belgium. <laughs> well, I, I hear commotion. Of course. I Yeah. Know. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm sat here, you know, I'm on my road trip to Denmark at the moment. Uh, so, um, sat here in a coffee shop in Bruges and there's a really good movie called in, in Bruges. Bruges. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Colin Farrell uh, and that guy from, uh, oh God, what's his yeah, name? Brendan, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Yeah. It, as well as, uh, Ralph Bien. And, uh, I'm not familiar. I have actually heard that the movie itself is is really good, but I know um, that Brendan guy from Twenty Eight Days Later. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he's been in so many films. Now, you know, he's Mad Eye Moody in uh, Harry Potter, and he was oh, in right, right. right. Uh, he's playing with Colin, Colin Farrell um, again in uh, the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. So right. it's uh, he, they uh, that yeah. that received. That received critical acclaim. I didn't watch it. I was actually, I watched uh, for the first time. So, I mean, as I've mentioned before on the show, my wife and I watch, like the most watching I do is when my wife and I work out and we started watching uh, the Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston film, um, Murder Mystery. That's one of the the Netflix exclusives. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was just remarking to myself, like, I'm really doing myself a disservice because I miss out on so much. I mean, so, so many great creations, so much great arts because I'm just 
doing my thing, not sitting still. I mean, it's, it's really the ADD. I think I'm not sitting still for more, for more than 20 <laughs> yeah. minutes. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really good. Really funny. Jennifer Aniston, of course, is in, in rare form. But what oh, is, of course. what is taking you to Denmark? Uh, you mean, how am I getting there? Like, uh, why? Or you mean spiritually, like what's getting me there? Why are, know? why are you going there? So, um, a couple of weeks ago I was on Google maps and I was just looking at Europe and I was like, you know what? It sounds pretty cool to go to the most Northern part of Denmark, uh, Skagen. And so I just decided to do it and I'm driving there in my diesel truck. It's about a thousand miles each way, so it's not that far. Um, and I was staying in another place in Belgium last uh, couple of nights, a place called Middlekirk, which is right up the beach from Dunkirk, part of the D-Day landing area. Oh yeah, I actually went and saw. Yeah, yeah, I actually went and saw like a World War II bunker and went on, underground and everything. It was really cool. Um, and today I'm stopping off just in Bruges to check out the town before I go to. Eindhoven in uh, the Netherlands tonight. Are you uh, on your own? Yeah, I'm on my own, man. Yeah. Wow, that is impressive and and <laughs> admirable. Thanks, man. Thanks. It's uh, been a cool experience so far. I've got my camera equipment. I'm taking some cool photos, and it's just uh, it's just a really good time seeing lots of uh, lots of culture and lots of different languages. You know, I didn't realize how many languages they spoke here in Belgium. I thought they spoke just French, but they speak German, French, and Dutch here. And, uh, I'm an English, I'm guessing <laughs> for, for yeah, your sake. Yeah. Do you, yeah, have, they all, uh... they all, uh, they all speak relatively good English to be honest. And, you know, I'm probably the best on German. If I have to speak another language here in Europe, probably German is my go-to. So, I'll be okay once I'm, because after Eindhoven, I'm going to Lüneburg uh, and staying on the Heath there in Germany. Uh, it's right underneath Hamburg. Uh, so that should be really good fun. I'm looking forward to using a bit more German. Yeah, I took, uh, I took two years of German and two years of Spanish in school. Oh, cool. So I, uh, actually, after I've had a few drinks, I can speak pretty well as long as i'm allowed to interchange uh spanish and and german because if i don't know the word in spanish i know it in I, it's it's likely that i know it in german and vice versa <laughs> that's really funny yeah yeah i feel like yeah you, you're not wrong like you know the more you drink the better you are at foreign languages that's so, just how it works so did you plan uh did you plan your trip and your stops and, and your, your bookings? Or you must be staying in hotels in the evening. Yeah, most of the time it's just you know either Airbnbs or hotels. Um, I haven't planned the way back yet because I'm not really sure what I want to do on the way back. So, um, yeah, we'll get to that when we get there. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's pretty well planned out. And, you know, I, got, I wanted to make sure I had lots of time. I'm, I'm going for three weeks. So, you know, the entire of next week, I'm, I'm in Skagen. And then the week after, I'm I'm coming back. So, are you uh, just when you are ready to shack up for the night? You you look to see what's available, or do you have things booked for every night? Oh no, I 
I do have things booked. Uh, yeah, but I, I booked everything probably a week or two uh, in advance and I'll probably do the same thing once I get to, um, probably once I, once I get to Germany, I'll, I'll sit down and have a look for what my plan's going to be on the way back. So I don't have to worry about it once I'm already in Denmark. I'm on vacation next week and I've been struggling with, cause I'm really cheap. Like even, even though I have, I mean, I, I do well, I'm not poor. I have, I have money and, and I'm on vacation next week and I'm thinking we should, we should go somewhere, you know, a little, a little family vacation. Uh, but we, uh, so separately on new year's Eve, December 31st, uh, my wife and I are going to go into the city and we're going to see a comedy show and we got, we got a hotel overnight. Uh, even though when, (laughs) When my wife, so the comedian we're, we're seeing, he's uh, Jeff R. Curie, and he, like, most of his stuff that I've seen is, is like, just doing crowd work. So oh, it, excellent. It, it seems fun. I don't know if that's the bulk of his show. It, it, it certainly seems that way. But I think on, so he's, he's coming into town for one night, and it's, uh, and he's doing three shows. Uh, and I think it's like a like a four thirty, uh, seven thirty, and uh, ten thirty, or something like that. So my wife goes and buys the tickets for the four thirty show. <laughs> regrettably, but but in her defense, oh. I, I mean I'm I'm not like I'm my my question to her after I learned that she'd booked the four thirty show was. Uh, what are we going to do after this show? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I don't know. Whatever we, I mean, because the shows, like most comedians, they only do an hour. Like, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. if that. Uh, and, and in her defense, we didn't plan on booking a, you know, a, a hotel room that night until after the fact, till after we had already decided we, you know, we're going to see the show and we bought the tickets. And uh, after we booked the hotel room, I realized that we paid $36 in taxes just for the privilege of staying in the hotel room for the one night. $36 in taxes, bro. God, it hurts just to talk about it. Dude, that's insane. Where are you staying? Like the Ritz or something? I mean, we are staying at a pretty nice... Well, well, I, I mean, I think the the room for the night was only like $138 and we, and we do this thing. Um, so we have this website. I don't know if you have it in the, in the, the uke, but, uh, it's called Priceline and it's, uh, yeah, I'm trying it out. Do you like it? I I'm on the fence about I actually, it. But, you know, I actually do. I actually do like you the gotta, uke. I'm from the uke, man. You gotta take risks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, so we, we do this thing on, on this website, Priceline, uh, we know William Shatner is the, the spokesperson or he was for a long time. Uh, and, uh, they, they do this thing like the, the mystery hotel deal. Like they, they guarantee a certain, um, I'm, I'm going to the website right now so that I can be accurate. Um, but they, they do like, uh, we guarantee it'll be like three stars at least 
and uh, it'll be in in the general area that you want to stay, but it'll be like twenty bucks cheaper a night, just because you kind wow. of let us pick the hotel. Uh, now I like doing that because I'm kind of adventurous. And uh, it's it's usually like the the worst thing that happens in using this, uh, you know, whatever this this service was uh, one one time we booked a room that was uh, I, I don't think we knew at the time, but we booked a room that was a smoking room. And I swear the people were. I mean, the, the people that had been in there before us must have just been in the room smoking the whole time because the the smell was overpowering. Uh, Dude, but, I didn't even know you could still do that. I don't know if you can. I mean, this this was quite a while ago. Oh, right. Okay. But, Is it, was it like before like 2009 or something? Um, No, no. It must have been 2016. Yeah, I feel like I, for sure in the UK you can't do that. That's so funny. Well, they have like uh, smoking rooms. Like you can smoke in this room, but you can't smoke in in like this floor is a smoking floor, but the next floor is not a smoking floor. So they wow, they, that's but, but that's I think so, that's so interesting. I think it may have changed recently to not you know like you can't smoke in in hotel rooms now. Um, yeah, I can't remember when it was. It, it might have been like uh, 2009, maybe, when they just made smoking indoors anywhere illegal here in the UK. Well, this this makes me curious about... Um, I do need to finish this story, but I wanted to ask about something the king said in, in his speech, but we'll get there. Uh, sure. So a- after using this mystery hotel deal... We um we we only came out to paying like oh I think it was like one thirty eight for the for the one night. Wait, I mean, which isn't too bad. No, no. But the the bad part is thirty six dollars in taxes. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. For one night in one hotel. So this is what is kind of. Uh, ex- express deal. That's what it's called. The express deal. They'll pick the hotel for you and give uh, you and give you a discount. Twenty seven percent off is what I'm what I'm seeing on the website. So I'm thinking about maybe we go take a couple of nights. You know, drive drive to the next state over and stay a couple of nights just just for fun. You know, wander around and and see what there is to do. And I just can't get over it. I can't get over the the taxes and the price. Like I'm just thinking, and, and this is like I'm doing myself a disservice by thinking, what else could I be spending this money on? Like what sort of home improvement projects <laughs> do could I be investing in with this money that we're just gonna because that's the worst part about traveling for me. And this is one of the the areas that my wife and I dramatically differ and i think it's actually like a man a man woman thing like traditionally not to be sexist or genderist or whatever is genderist she likes to go (laughs) 
<laughs> she likes to go places and and take trips and and do things. And I just feel like that is kind of throwing money away. <laughs> Which is not, I mean, I don't really expect you to reinforce my, my point because obviously you're out. I mean, you're, you're on a grand adventure, man. I am, dude. I am on a grand adventure. Yeah. You know, I got like, you know, survival supplies in the back of my truck just in case, you know, it's like an actual thing. Uh, you, yeah. You're the you know, envy. I, you're the envy of, of so many people right now. That's so true because a lot of people like they they go on about you know and wanting to get out of the urban environment and like and do and do something. I, I, to be fair though, in Europe it's so easy uh, to do that. You know, it's um you know I can drive like for example I can drive to my place in Middlekirk, park on the street, and pay twenty five cents for parking for five days. I didn't need five days. That was the minimum you could get. It was five days parking for twenty five cents. Okay. And then you can just jump on the tram anywhere you want and go anywhere along the coastline of Belgium for like two euros fifty. So you know it's fairly easy to go and see places here in Europe. In in the UK, it's ridiculous. I mean, for me to get a train to to London, it's like seventy quid or something, and there's loads of traffic and the roads suck. Here in Europe, like the roads are amazing and like the public transport is amazing and you know probably the taxes are higher here but you can kind of see where you're getting for your money at least are you uh are you eating out every night sampling um, the cuisines i i am i am currently because i'm doing like the airbnb thing but once i get to denmark it's like a whole apartment so i'm gonna do some cooking and stuff and save a bit of money on that but for right now i'm just eating out places and just uh you know i'm enjoying myself i'm not worried about it you know yeah, um, yeah. You know, I know. Yeah. In uh, my my experience, like my my traveling experience, has been generally like you know with, with my parents. I mean, was like we're going someplace for a week. Like they own a timeshare, and this it's like a it's called it's called Worldmark, and they have hotels all over the place. I mean, it's. The quality of I, I I don't know I would say the like the quality of the service itself has kind of deteriorated in that you have to you have to book your vacation like fourteen months in advance or you won't oh find, my god yeah you won't have any there there will be no availability unfortunately so we would book a week at a time and go. Uh, and, and this was like a full apartment kind of situation, a, you know, kitchen, several bedrooms, dining area. So we would go to the grocery store and load up and then basically just cook all of our meals. And that, but that was also in part because there wasn't really a lot around in terms of, I mean, like, I think the nearest restaurant was probably like 12 miles away. So it was a lot yeah, more convenient sure. to just go to the grocery store and, you know, pick up everything that you want. Although now they probably, they could probably bring it to your house. We went into that a little bit last week. I'm not a fan of that. But one thing that we do that, that is kind of starting to bother me 
is we do the uh, Walmart curbside pickup. You can do oh, all what's that. I don't I don't know what that is. What is that? We can you can do all of your shopping on the app. Everything. I mean, mostly everything that they have is um, like the, the stock is updated pretty well, but they try to substitute. And I like like in my wow. coffee, for example. I like to have heavy cream. You know, I, I used to do half and half. And then uh, I started doing heavy cream and just kind of treating my coffee like a meal. <laughs> and, um, and, and the same thing, like, like throughout the day, like I don't pack a lunch when I go to work. I just drink my coffee with my heavy cream. It's, an, it's enough. That's so funny. There's so many people in Europe right now that are crying listening to this. Why? What's the rap? What's the rap with heavy cream in the UK? <laughs> well, it's just it's just like there's no there is no heavy cream in coffee here in Europe. That's just, just not a thing. You can't even buy it for coffee here. No, no kidding. way. No, no. N- even half and half. There's no half and half here at all. If you put it in coffee, people look at you weird. So that's just not a thing that people do. It's so it's so funny because it's the same with, when I go to Canada, right? It's the same, you know, it's, you know, I filter coffee and half and half or, or cream and it tastes awesome. Right. But here in Europe, it's like, no, 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 it must be, you know, cappuccino and, or it must be a latte or a cortado or just black coffee or something. It's got to be uh, some Italian shit, you know? Well, if, I mean, if I do, if I'm hitting a coffee shop, if I'm doing some kind of espresso, then yeah, definitely milk. But I've gotten to the point now where I don't even, I mean, if, if there's no heavy cream, I'll drink it black. Which, which, no is, which is fine too. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if you have good beans, if you have a good quality coffee, drinking it black is just fine. In, in my opinion, like, yeah, of course I, I would like some cream or, or some milk if I'm, if I'm drinking the espresso. In fact, I probably like milk better than I like half and half because we were out of heavy cream yesterday. And that's, this is because my wife went on, do, you know, she did the shopping on the app and she goes, uh, she goes to pick it up and they tried to substitute a certain kind of heavy cream for another kind of heavy cream. And uh. I'm very discerning. I, I read the ingredients and this heavy cream that they were trying to substitute was made with skim milk and, and like four or five other ingredients and polysorbates and, and, and like some kind of dye. And I'm thinking these sons of bitches are selling, they're selling heavy cream that's cut with nonfat milk and, <laughs> and, and passing it off like it's, and this is one of the issues that I have with the curbside pickup in general. And I, and I remembered thinking to myself when, the, when this was first rolling out, the, the curbside pickup phenomenon was rolling out a, a, a few years ago, just in time for the, the COVID pandemic, coincidentally enough. So I thought they're going to they're gonna use this to substitute because, okay, Walmart has, so they've got like the name brands. And I, I mean, I'm sure you have all different name brands over Oh, in yeah, your neck yeah. of the woods. 
but they've got the name brands and then they've got the great value brand. And the great value brand is like the Walmart brand. Like you'll only find great value products if you go into a Walmart. And that's, that's kind of the case with all the grocery stores in, in the States. They have, they all have the, the traditional brands that you'll find in every grocery store. And then they have their like store brand, which is, you know, whatever in, in uh, Costco is like a, a big <laughs> membership, uh, like, like members only kind of grocery store where you pay uh, 50 bucks a year for the privilege of going into their store. And they do big bulk things like, like you can't buy one gallon of milk because they're tethered together with this big plastic, you know, contraption. So, so you got to buy two, two gallons of milk at once, a 48 pack of toilet paper and, and all, you know, huge, you know, 120 batteries or something like that in, in, in one package, their name brand is Kirkland. And it's actually, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm sure you could do a dive on, uh, on Kirkland stuff online because they're like, they do their own liquors, like their own tequila. And Oh really? I, yeah, I forget. I forget who makes their tequila, but it's, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Like it's, it's like a reputable, uh, you know, distillery or, or whatever the word is for people that make tequila. But anyway, my thought is distillery. Yeah. I would have thought so. I, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah, it sounds right. But I was always skeptical and suspicious that as this curbside pickup phenomenon started to gain traction, that we would see more and more items replaced. Like, oh yeah, you you bought you bought these chips, uh, or you you wanted these chips, but. We're, we're out of them. We just are stocked and update quickly enough on the app. So here, how about have, have these great value chips? They're, they're just as good. Or is, is this an acceptable substitution? And you don't like, if you're not diligent, if you don't get into the app and look and see what the substitutes are, they ask you when you arrive. Did you see your substitutes? Do you, do you like your, your substitutes? And this was one of the things that they tried to, to substitute was this Lando Lakes creamer that was cut with skim milk. And then, but, but it's, it's not just that, which, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more upset at the company that thinks they're going to trick people by selling heavy cream cut with skim milk than I am at, at the, the Walmart people. But it's one of those interesting things where the system is kind of set up to operate around the ignorance of the people that are responsible for, for operating the system. You know, like the people that pay that are making $9 an hour to wander around in the store and, and fill these carts full of stuff for people that don't want to go into the store and walk around themselves. They're not, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, it's like the economic problem that, that Milton Friedman likes to talk about, which is the, the, yeah. the three ways that money is spent. One being you, you, you're spending your own money on something for yourself. 
The second is you're spending someone else's money on something for yourself. And the third is you're spending someone else's money on something for someone else. (laughs) If you're not shopping for your own groceries, see, this is me. When I go, I like to go into the grocery store. It's a struggle. But when I'm shopping, I like to go into the store and I like to look at dates. Because, you know, when they stock the shelves in the grocery store, it's they pull what they, they pull the oldest product to the front. Yeah, yeah. And oldest at the front, yeah. And, and slide the, the newest stuff to the back. So when I'm shopping, I'm looking at the dates like how when when does this expire? OK. And what about the one at the back? When does that expire? So I'm getting like the freshest possible whatever. When the guy's going around to buy your own, to buy your groceries for you, he's not checking dates. He's on the clock. He's got to hurry. He's got to get that cart filled up and get your stuff out to the curb. Oh, for sure. Because he's got to go in and do it again for somebody else for eight hours. God, could you imagine? You know, there's a really cool company in the UK called um, Ocado, and they do all the picking and all the delivery pretty much automated. Um, and it's like a big floor where all the products are loaded in the floor and robots go over the floor and pick the items out of these baskets and put it into, into your basket and then it goes down a conveyor belt and then into whatever delivery thing it is. But the whole thing's automated and, and if they need to like substitute anything, they use like machine learning to kind of like get the best uh, substitute for the product. It's a really cool company actually. Uh, I've, actually I've actually spoken to a few of the people that help build some of that stuff and it's just like it's an incredible operation and it's uh it really stands alone on on like sort of the the best case scenario for like uh sort of like grocery uh delivery because the rest of it is like you say like someone's going around and like just picking off something or having to make a decision on what to substitute with whatever or maybe there's some system that helps them substitute for items but Ocado in the UK haven't nailed they, they got it sorted out and uh they're, I think during COVID, like they stopped taking customers because they physically just couldn't handle, you know, the amount of customers that they were getting because everyone was having their food delivered. Right. COVID was great for, you know, having the excuse, you know, like we always, my wife and I always joked around and I'm sure you saw like the, um, the memes about, Oh, so, so you're saying stay home and don't socialize with anybody and, you know, on and on. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's my life normally. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> normally what I do. Now I just have an excuse to be antisocial and, and never go to the store. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's so true. Like, I feel like, um, I feel guilty about it though yeah 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 i see what you mean i see what you mean i see what you mean but the world you know the world i feel like the world now you know someone was uh someone was born today and they were of cognitive age where they could understand stuff they would not be able to tell that covid even happened you know what i mean thank heavens like yeah which is which is great right which is why you know i sort of feel okay because a lot of people were scared about the you know the new um, the new normal, the kind of thing. And, you know, in the, in the store near me, they had the COVID barriers up for like the longest time, you know, those plastic barriers that they have at the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. I went in, I went in the other week, they're gone. And I'm like, Oh shit. You know, 
things are starting to get back to a sense of normality that isn't this new normality where everyone is like hyper fixated on being careful and you know not trying to spread something anything whatever um you know i'm going to more music events now and the music events are probably better than they were before covid um so if the new normal is that music events are better than before covid and you know shit is just happening i'm all for it man that's the kind of new normal i'm i'm about um the, you know some things in government with you know the, the the increased powers that they got from covid and this that and the other i i completely understand that but in terms of like you just take if you just close your eyes to the government side of it the political side of it and you just actually go out go into your town and look around at what people are doing how they're walking around how they're acting you notice that they don't act any different than what they used to before covid and that for me um I think it's a really good sign and also it's it's quite comforting because that means you're not having to feel the same way and, you know on this trip especially you know i'm going through europe which has some of the most densely populated areas in the western in the western world and you know it's like dude it's it's just like it's just like as if you were before covid and no one knew about it and it's it's excellent really 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 excellent well i feel like the media was largely responsible for the the panic and the fear that was associated. Yeah. Like I, I was just listening to uh, Dr. Drew. He's a celebrity doctor over here, but he's uh, you know, he, he's maintained his certifications and he still practices and has patients and stuff. So he's, he's not like a Dr. Phil. He's, he's a legitimate doctor. And, and he was talking about uh, H1N1, you know, the, the bird flu from, Oh I, yeah. Yeah. I think he said like 2009 way much much higher fatality rate uh much more dangerous compared to covid or or influenza and i mean almost nobody knew that that was even a thing i mean even if they were aware that something was going on the the panic in the media was nothing like it was for covid and um my oh yeah no 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 question no question i was i Correct me if I'm wrong, but H1N1 was different from the SARS virus? No, yeah, because yeah, the SARS virus was swine flu, wasn't it? That was, yes, well, that's SARS actually... COVID-1. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because uh, when, when SARS first, you know, came onto the scene, it was just barely a blip. You know, like I remember it from, you know, I, I was pretty young. I just remember seeing the pictures of people in the airport wearing their masks and hearing about SARS. And I think yeah, I was yeah. even, I was think I even went through an airport myself around that time. But what bothered yeah, me, SARS was serious. Did you ever catch it? I, I caught SARS. No, I don't think so. What was that like? Oh, dude, I, it was way worse than COVID. Like I have never had any flu like it, dude. That's it's probably why SARS didn't end up like spreading that much because it was just so aggressive. It just that, kicked your ass. You know, and, and it, yeah, you it just kicks your ass. And then you're basically quarantining yourself. It right. feels so fucking bad. Right, right, right. Um, as opposed to COVID where you could totally function, you know, some people didn't even realize they had symptoms. Right. And of course, some people had serious implications as they would with any virus if they, if they had caught it at the same time, but stars, I mean, it just knocked you on your ass. 
and you just had a crazy fever and it was just you know i was in i was on holiday with family in norfolk and we were we all had it at the same time my dad brought it from london which is like uh, disease epicenter of europe it's yeah. like fucking mumbai <laughs> down there man uh <laughs> you know it's crazy so we're all on holiday in 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 norfolk and um we've got we've got bloody swine flu and it was just like everyone was just like zombified uh hanging around and just trying to survive what a wonderful uh, gift for your now. holiday <laughs> oh, i know it totally sucked and the weather sucked and it was just like it was such a shit time but it's it's a cool story because i get to say that oh yeah yeah you know i had swine flu and you know survived because there weren't that many cases of swine flu like i don't really know many other people that ever caught it because that, i mean compared to covid which had millions and millions and millions of cases um you know stars had very few cases in the uk i know spain got it really bad um relatively speaking to us in the uk so but no that virus was um yeah that virus was uh, serious man i don't so, like probably the worst i've ever felt on a illness i was just looking into sars and i i don't remember why I wanted to look it up, but I swear when it first arrived, they were calling it the South Asian respiratory syndrome. Yeah. And now what does SARS stand for? Do you know? I don't, I don't know that. I mean, uh, well, this is the joke of the whole thing. So we have SARS, right? S-A-R-S. And yeah. we have MERS, M-E-R-S. Now MERS stands for Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. Oh, I see and, where you're going with this. And I swear, I swear. Now maybe this is a, a Mandela Effects moment. But I swear SARS was South Asian Respiratory Syndrome. And then... After people got offended, after too many pictures of Asian people walking through airports with their masks on were circulated in the media, China and maybe Japan started pulling some strings with their media partners to have SARS no longer called the South Asian Respiratory Cis, uh, Syndrome and to be called instead Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. Which oh, is that's basically so interesting. Like I, I think, didn't know that. I think the scientific community could make an argument for the difference between severe and acute it, when it comes to medical conditions. But from a layman's perspective, severe and acute are basically the same thing. Yeah, it's obviously just a, yeah. So they just, just took the acronym so and changed what the letters mean, but but they didn't change it. Like, why wouldn't MERS and SARS, why, why wouldn't they just call MERS SARS? Why would they? Um, well, it's because MERS was Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome and SARS yeah, was South yeah. Asian Respiratory Syndrome. And this is how they've sort of identified viruses on people, until people started getting offended. <laughs> and That's then, oh, oh, so interesting. We, I did not know about that because, you know, COVID is SARS-2. SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, cause the swine flu was also a Corona, a type of coronavirus as well. Um, so that's so interesting. And it's just been, mem me. it's been memory hold. Like, like I dug through, I actually typed in to my, to my search bar, 
uh, yeah. South Asian respiratory syndrome, which I'm doing again as I speak. And all that comes up is severe acute, severe acute, severe acute, severe acute, severe acute respiratory syndrome. No, no, oh, it's yeah. not South Asian, guys. We used to call it South Asian, but I can't even find that. I can't even confirm that it used to be called South Asian. I'm, I'm pulling this straight from memory from however long ago. And I don't know if maybe it's just because my, my search bar is bad, but it, 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 it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy that people, that people do this and that we live in an age now where the, I mean, I'm, I bet you could, I bet you could go like, I, I should, I should do this. I, mean, I need to make myself a note. This would be great content for a, a future show. I want to go into a library and look up some newspapers from when the, uh, when the virus was, was getting started back in, you know, 2009 oh, or whatever it was. That's such a good idea. And see if I can find some, uh, some clippings of them calling it South Asian Respiratory Syndrome because I swear, I would, I would swear in court with my hand on the Bible that South Asian Respiratory Syndrome is what SARS stood for, you know, 15 years ago. And they just changed it because I wouldn't, they I wouldn't can. be surprised because, like, you know, you know what China is like about PR and stuff. Um, I mean, well, sim- and- similarly with with COVID, they try to as much as possible deny, 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 and deflect from the fact that COVID even originated from China. Uh, they tried their very hardest to make it very ambiguous. And but you know, let's you, just you, take a minute. Better if, China, yeah. Let's just take a minute because I, I have this, I have this bookmarked because I love it so much and we're talking about China. And so let's just do this for him. Let's just do this for him. Oh, here, I'll share my screen for you, uh, for you. So you can, you can witness the glory. Discord has such nice sounds. Okay, here we go. Let's say China. China, 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 China. You go over to China, 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 you take China, 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 I love them, China, 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 I have to have my China, 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 because China, 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 you know, China, I know China very well, China, 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 all right, all right, all right, oh, I love it i love it so much it puts me in a good mood and it's It's so funny it's like he says it i mean there's there's three minutes there's three minutes there oh just over and over again china 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 in china they say i don't like china i love china people think i don't like china i love china 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 (laughs) is the new china he loves china i love hearing him say china and after he says china enough times i start like my brain starts to warp I'm like, what, what is he saying? China. That's a weird word. (laughs) Oh yeah. You become desensitized to its meaning. Yeah. It's just a sound. Yeah, for sure. You know, 
I think the best thing that Trump did was was put a spotlight on China. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but I I, I think uh, honestly what he did in putting a spotlight finally on what China was up to and doing was just like a great service to the Western world in general, I think. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I struggle. I mean, I, I like Trump. If the election was tomorrow, I'd be voting for Trump. I just don't know what would be different. I mean, and it's impossible to know, right? What would yeah. be different if Trump wasn't in, you know, if Trump didn't have that term from 2016 to, or 2017 to 2021? Because I, and, and with, with what's going on right now with inflation, yeah, everybody's blaming Joe Biden. And, and I have no kind words for Joe Biden. Yeah. But they're, they're putting these numbers out now in regards to GDP. Yeah. They're saying, oh, GDP grew by 4.9%. And, oh, this, these, uh, you know, sales firms are, are reporting, you know, huge sales numbers and, and this, this, this GDP growth is unprecedented. And then I hear some analysts point out that the reason that the, the reason for this 4.9% GDP growth in the United States is because of 4.7% inflation. And I'm, I'm not an economist. I don't really know how this all you know, pencils out. But I know that I could go to the grocery store in, uh, you know, 2018 and spend 40 bucks and walk out with, you know, a weekend's worth of, of meals for me and my family. Now I go to the grocery store and it's like 40 bucks per bag of groceries in, in a bag that I had yeah, to pay. Yeah, yeah eight cents for my myself and don't i can't believe that we fell for that do you guys have to pay for your own grocery bags in in europe yeah we do it's it's very expensive very expensive per grocery bag it's 20 pence uh which is a lot that's that's like 35 cents it's so it used to be eight cents so like in in walmart which is our you know central store here, like, like we, we have a few other grocery stores, but Walmart's the place. It used yeah, to be yeah, you, yeah. you could buy like the cheap plastic bags for like eight cents or something like that. Now they've gotten rid of them entirely. They have no bags. If you don't bring your own bags, you have to carry your groceries out in your hands and pockets. Or you can, for 75 cents, you can buy like one of their Walmart branded fabric bags. Yeah. But I can't believe we fell for that scam. Oh, we're going to, it's, it's going to be great for the environment if we start making people uh, pay for their own bags because they're going to be incentivized to reuse their bags or bring their own bags next time. And I think what, like, like what a boon for all of the retailers that now no longer offer bags to their consumers, they no longer have to, to buy their own bags. And they've just scammed us all into thinking that now we have to pay for our own bags. It, that is somehow 
beneficial to the environment. Are we using any less bags? No, we're not losing. The, the only thing that's changed for me is now we don't throw our bags away because we had to pay eight cents for those bags. We're not throwing them away. What are you nuts? But it's been going on for three or four years now. And I still can't remember to bring my own bags with me to the damn grocery store. Oh yeah, for sure. I feel like everyone has a store of about like 45 bags somewhere, you know, because they don't want to throw them away. But at the same time, they never remember to bring them with, with them. So you're still using all the bags in the world, but. And then even when I do, like I, when I do go to reuse, I, I grab them out from the cupboard and I fill them with garbage and then I throw them away. (laughs) That's. I don't understand like, like why we, there's like an obvious solution to this and that's paper bags, right? Like why don't we use paper bags? I mean, well, like they're infinitely recyclable, right? I have, I don't know what the actual answer is, but I would hypothesize that we don't have paper bags because like I, I would guess that paper bags have been phased out in favor of plastic bags because paper bags are probably more expensive to manufacture and plastic bags. Oh, well, you know, the plastic bags are recyclable. Oh, but are they? No, actually they're not. And I just read no, an, no, no, no. And because they're like, I mean, God, they're they're really just one notch above garbage, even when they're new on on the rack. But I was just reading an article uh, from the Hill, published in uh, tw- November first, twenty twenty two, that says only about five percent of plastics are actually recycled. Now, this this may be different in Europe and the UK. But just a quick uh, ex- excerpt. This was uh, about an interview with someone from Greenpeace. Jan Dell, the outspoken recycling critic and thorn in the side of the plastics industry, wants the American public to face facts. That's the opening paragraph. And then a ways down the page. In 2022, she estimates the recycling industry has the capacity to process about 21% of the plastic used in water and soft drink bottles, 10% of milk jugs and juice bottles, less than 5% of grocery bags and shrink wrap, less than 2% of ice cream tubs. I didn't know there was such a market for recycling ice cream tubs. And less than 1% of plastic cutlery, coffee lids, and DVD cases. So for years and years and years, like as long as I've been alive, it's been recycle. Look for the little triangle thing on your on your plastic bottle and throw it in the recycling yeah. bin. And only 5% of that stuff is getting recycled. Yeah, it's terrible. But it's, you know, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a It's better it's than doing nothing. A, yeah, but it's one of those unsolvable problems. Like unless someone can figure out a cheap way to collect all kinds of different kinds of plastics and recycle them. It's just not going to be possible. Like, like, I mean, in, in Europe, it can be better depending on the country you're in. Of course, any recycling plan that you do as a country or a government is going to be insanely expensive, you know, far more expensive than it would be to make brand new plastics. And so you have to take that into account that if you are going to put together some kind of recycling thing that you're going to have to subsidize it. You're going to have to subsidize selling of the plastic because 
the recycled plastic is going to be inherently more expensive than making new stuff, as well as completely fund the whole process of taking that plastic and recycling it into something else. So it's insanely expensive. And the fact that you need to do uh, from the collection side, in, if you're in the UK, we put all of our recyclables, glass, metal, plastic, paper in one bin. And so you need a collection site that sorts that. Or if you're going to be like different boroughs or different places, different countries, they have different bins. But then that poses problems of its own. If you live in an urban area, you can't exactly have five or six bins outside your house. So there are all these considerations just to recycle fucking shit. Okay. And garbage, literal and garbage. Yeah, <laughs> literal garbage, right? And like we've got this sorted on metals like steel, copper, aluminum. These are like infinitely recyclable materials, super good. And anytime I think we can use metals, we probably should because, you know, if you take a can of beans and you open a can of beans and you use it and then you put it in the recycling, the chances of that becoming recycled is basically 95% because they just take it, they, right, they right. use a magnet on it to see if it's, if it's iron or not. And everything else gets sorted out and whatever, and then just goes straight back. It's very cheap. You just heat it up, melt it down, and make it into something else. With plastic, it's so difficult because you've got, you know, PETs, ABS, glass reinforced, uh, hard plastic, soft plastics, and it's like you can't just use a magnet on it or something like that. You know, it's got to be really, really uh, keen as well as colorings, different colorings you can't recycle. Oh my god! Like, for example, on bottles, if you have a Coke bottle, right, and Coke just got called out for this, which I think is which I think is right because Coke is claiming that um, their bottles are one hundred percent recyclable or one hundred percent recyclable, which is not necessarily true because the lids on those bottles right. are not recyclable at all. But they're claiming that it's one hundred percent recyclable and using that as like a marketing term because a lot of businesses today use you know green stuff ESG as a marketing tactic to sell to you know. Uh, let's just say gentrified individuals within the Western world, because let's be honest, people in poor areas don't give a shit about Western recycling. Um, well, so, you know, it's, it's just to us. In, in, in reality, and this is just coming to light now, after years and years of campaigning for recycling of, of all of the plastic that we use, now we're learning that we shouldn't even really be eating or drinking from plastic containers anyway because of the health impacts and i have this uh, article from sustainabilitytimes.com <laughs> a recent study by researchers from the university of newcastle in australia found that the average person consumes about five grams of plastic every week from water the solution isn't to switch to bottled water however as another study found it contains 22 times more microplastic particles than tap water and they are found yeah. in 93% of bottled water brands now the and the effects of uh plastics on your health is is crazy they it it like disrupts your ho your hormones and uh like uh decreases your your testosterone and i mean it's it's all it all has to be, you know, investigated and, and more studies done. But these, you know, preliminary studies are coming out and we're learning we need to just do away with plastic altogether. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. Maybe this this could be part of, uh, you know, anti oil propaganda. But I don't think I mean, this is sort of one of my core issues with the world is. We have these massive companies 
that are manufacturing food products and, and food product packaging, they have to maximize their profits. So we have an FDA, Federal Drug Administration, that's supposed to be monitoring what ingredients are being used and if they're harmful, but instead they're just sort of allowing these uh, massive food companies to, you know, donate and sponsor studies, et cetera. And then we have to find out years later through independent studies that, oh man, these things that they've, that they've been doing are really detrimental to our health. We just didn't find out because everybody's happy with the money they're making off of all of these products. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the interesting things about, you know, new technologies is we, we quite often don't find out they're dangerous until, you know, people start dying of old age, you know, uh, once they get to, you know, 65, 70 and start having serious health complications where they wouldn't have had them previously uh, due to other things. But, and that's funny because right now, you know, we're all just chilling. Uh, we, you know, iPhones could cause some motor neuron disease or something way down the line that we just don't know about because no one's lived long enough with an iPhone to even experience that. So it's very interesting the way that these issues get brought up. You know, microplastics, you know, and the bottled water thing is such an easy one to fix because if you just get a metal bottle and you clean it regularly and fill it yourself, I mean, you save money because you're not having to buy bottled fucking water, which it seems almost like a crime to even sell in the first place. But the added fact is you're not buying plastic and not putting microplastics into your system. And it's, you know, it's not like a tinfoil hat thing to do. You just buy a metal bottle, which you can buy from anywhere, and you just use that instead. Well, and you have even... to clean it, though. People that don't clean it are stupid because you get bacterial growth because yeah, bacteria yeah. Loves, to, loves to grow in those metal things, the ridges, right? And the brushed aluminum, they love to grow in those ridges. So you've got to clean it. You've got to clean it. Well, and not even, to clean it daily, but you got to clean it regularly. Some people would even argue that, you're, that you shouldn't be... Uh... You shouldn't be drinking from aluminum either, but it's really not feasible to say, oh, hey, all companies, uh, it's, uh, it's hazardous to your health to drink from plastic and aluminum. So now you have to manufacture glass and stainless steel exclusively. I mean, we complain about inflation. Like, imagine what the price of everything would be if it had to be packaged in, in glass or stainless steel. Or yeah, for I, sure. I, I mean, tin. even stainless steel, though, is, is pretty dangerous. I, I mean, in terms of, like, would I rather have metal in my system or would I rather have plastics is probably going to be metal, unless it's, like, you know, heavy metals. You, you know, you're not going to drink something made of lead or mercury or, <laughs> yeah. you know, gallium or something, right? So, but, you know, stainless steel, I would probably stay away from for one simple reason is because a lot of cheap stainless steel yes. materials are made horribly. Yes. They have, you know, chromium and zinc in them. And, you know, they're all different grades. You get a nice aircraft grade uh, aluminium. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be pretty good. And if you get aluminium in your system, it's not going to really do much. Um, you know, compared to a plastic, which is very difficult for the body to get rid of. Um, and if you, you know, it's probably the best one to have would be like something made of iron. But you know, that's going to rust, and then you put them rust into your system. But you know, if you have a little bit extra iron, that's not usually that bad of it, not right, that right. of an issue. But well, you know, that, but it's, it's, one, it's one of these things like if, if, if you have to weigh it up with the fact that if someone has an aluminum water bottle, okay, and there are potential health hazards of that, 
you have to weigh it up with the fact that, okay, when are they going to feel the effects of this health hazard? Is it going to be in 50 years? Is it going to be in 60 years? Is it going to be in 20 years? In my opinion, if I'm going to feel a, a serious side effect, okay, of like a metal water bottle that I use regularly in 60 years, I'll be 80 years old. And that for me is okay. You know, for, you know, if it was going to affect me in 5, 10, 15 years, or, you know, maybe my plastics were by the time I'm, you know, going to retirement age, you know, I got a bunch of plastic in my system and, it, and it's not like it's, you know, it's seriously dangerous compared to like having a little bit of metal in there. I think that's something you've got to weigh up um, in your brain as well as the society because we could say, okay, let's not do anything. Let's, all, let's only drink from ceramics or something, which don't leach anything, you know, pots and stuff like that. But, you know, you've got to weigh it up with the fact that, okay, but if I do something and get ill at 85 years old or 90 years old because of this, it's like, well, the chances of me living to that long is, is not amazing anyways because the life expectancy is, is, you know, just under 80 years old. Um, as well as the fact that there could be many other health complications you could suffer from at that age anyway. So yeah, and, I think it's a bit number, of a tie-up. Any number of factors, too. I mean, you live to 85. Like, how much? I mean, you one, one uh, house that you lived in over the course of your 85-year life happened to be near some power lines. Are, yeah. are, was, it, was the power lines the, the cause of your you know, brain cancer or whatever? Or, or was it something else? Was it the plastic water bottles you drank out of? Or was it, you know... Yeah, exactly. If I if I have an iPhone and I pat, you know, from using my iPhone, I get brain cancer at like eighty five years old. I'm like, well, you know, I can't really say that it wasn't worth it. It was like, you know, I've lived longer than any other human typically lives on average, right? And the cost of me getting brain cancer as is, I used an iPhone for a long time. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, am I going to give up using an iPhone or tell people not to use it? It's like, well, I got cancer at eighty five years old. The chances is, is I'm going to get, you know, as most males know or should know, is that about, about a third of males will get testicular cancer just from existing on planet Earth. Like that's, you know, and they get it way earlier than any other cancer, right? So that's why we do screening. And that's not, you know, that's not due to anything else. That's just because uh, we exist on Earth and therefore we, we get these issues, right? So it's a total toss-up. And, and, and people do this hysteria thing where it's like, oh my God, you can't do this because it's going to cause this issue or it, it could cause this or it could cause that. And there, you know, there's chemicals in certain foods or preservatives and stuff. And it's like, you can't do this because this is super dangerous. And it's like, yeah, but super dangerous when? Am I going to get ill very quickly? Am I, or am I going to get ill in 60, 70 years when it doesn't really matter? You know, I think that's what people have to tie up for themselves. And well, and that makes me wonder, you know, and I, you basically just answered my next question, which is, you know, what, what do you think? what is your opinion on personal responsibility and like, and like to what extent, like should we all feel personally responsible for looking at the ingredients on, on the, you know, the container of, of what's being sold as, as heavy cream to learn that, Oh, it's actually got po polysorbates and, and skim milk in it. And it's not just, I mean, because the stuff that I buy is heavy cream. And then something called, yeah, yeah. called carrageenan, which is, I, it's, I think it's just a carb. Um, yeah, and, I mean, to be honest, like, you know, you should always, as much as possible, reduce your uh, exposure to, you know, health dangers or general dangers in real life, right? Like, I don't drive around at 100 miles an hour in my car. I could. But, you know, I want to reduce the risk of death in my day-to-day -day life, so I'm not going to do that. 
And it's the same goes for like, you know, the heavy cream, but that's a, that's an easy transition to make. You just buy a different cream. Um, and you know, it's sorted, you know, for bigger issues, like I'm not going to take my, you know, lifelong medicine and I'm going to, I'm going to experiment on myself and use a different kind of medicine. You know, that's, that's an, that's more of a, that's more of a, you know, a situation that needs to be looked at more in, you know, in, in depth, as well as something that's a, a big part of your life, like a smartphone. You know, if you don't use a smartphone, that is going to seriously affect your life in today's society in, in ways that, you know, you couldn't even imagine unless you're comfortable doing the sort of like no technology life like people had way back, even before, even, even, even back towards World War II where they had, you know, wireless radio, right? You got to go way back. And once you start looking at all these products and you go, well, people, people still use some people smoked and they lived like 90 years old and right. this down the other. So it's like one of these things where if something is such a massive part of your life that, um, but could cause, it could cause you long-term issues. It's like, you got to make that decision for yourself, but obviously you should always try to mitigate risk and try to lower your risk, especially the things that can cause, you know, short term, um, no, sorry, sorry, uh, issues in the short term that last a long time. So things that are going to, you know, for example, if you're a painter and you don't wear a mask, like that is going to affect you fairly quickly. Um, and the same, you know, like, like melting lead or working with lead, you know, acid or something like that. Like those are going to be like serious health implications and very quickly, as well as simple things. Like if you work in a warehouse and you don't wear a lift belt when you lift stuff up, you know, my cousin who works in a nursing home, she has to lift up heavy patients. They don't wear lift belts and she hurts her back. Like th those are things that are going to affect your life in far, far, far greater terms than using an iPhone near, near your head for like 40 years of your life. That, you know, there's no comparison. Like millions of people use smartphones every day and they live just fine. They're perfectly healthy. But someone can go and do a nursing job, pick someone up and do their back out and they are hurt for life and very young too. 23 years old, they hurt their back, and they're feeling that for the rest of their life, and they're still using an iPhone. So I think, I think a little bit of an, a realignment on people's priorities on their health, you know, because they'll happily, they will happily, you know, speed around in an urban environment or like drive like crazy during the rain or the snow or pick something up that's too heavy for them or do something weird and then go on Instagram later and say, oh, I'm not drinking milk anymore. I'm drinking oat milk because. I believe they're putting chemicals in, in the cow's milk, or I won't, I won't use my iPhone anymore because I think the radiation is going to kill me. It's like, what's more likely to happen? You having a traffic accident at 120 miles an hour on the Autobahn or on the M1, or you drinking a bit of cow's milk? Like, I, think there's, I think that's what society needs to kind of get a grip with. Well, we all know that like, smoking cigarettes is bad. Like, we've, we've all learned, but people still smoke. Of course, they, because I, the effects aren't exactly immediate yeah. and the symptoms <laughs> take a long time to progress because that's the thing. It's like, you know, when, when you're smoking, it's sort of one of those things where you don't realize things happening in slow motion, right? In day-to-day -day life, you don't see yourself getting sicker and sicker and sicker. You, you know, some people might wake up one day and go, oh my God, I feel terrible and I'm going to quit. But that's not the reality for many smokers. And I, and I don't smoke, right? Um, and, you know, the King's speech recently touched on this smoking thing, right? Where I think Rishi Sunak wants to ban smoking for everyone that was born past January 
2009 or 19. I can't remember. Do you have that specific clip up? I don't have the specific clip. I have the uh, 11 minute long. Oh, yeah. Uh, sort of introduction. Uh, but yeah, I was going to ask you about that. We should uh, we should listen to. A yeah, bit. definitely. Yeah, let's listen. I don't know why my link isn't working. Here we go. My lords and members of the House of Commons, it is mindful of a legacy of service and devotion to this country set by my beloved mother, the late Queen, that I deliver this, the first King's speech, in over 70 years. The impact of COVID and the war in Ukraine have created significant long-term challenges for the United Kingdom. That is why my government's priority is to make the difficult but necessary long-term decisions to change this country for the better. My minister's focus is on increasing economic growth and safeguarding the health and security of the British people for generations to come. My government will continue to take action to bring down inflation, to ease the cost of living for families and help businesses fund new jobs and investments. My ministers will support the Bank of England to return inflation to target by taking responsible decisions on spending and borrowing. These decisions will help household finances, reduce public sector debt, and safeguard the financial security of the country. Legislation will be introduced to strengthen the United Kingdom's energy security and reduce reliance on volatile international energy markets and hostile foreign regimes. This bill will support the future licensing of new oil and gas fields, helping the country to transition to net zero by 2050 without adding undue burdens on households. Alongside this, my ministers will seek to attract record levels of investment in renewable energy sources and reform grid connections, building on the United Kingdom's track record of decarbonizing faster than other G7 economies. My government will invest in Network North to deliver faster and more reliable journeys between and within the cities and towns of the North and Midlands, prioritizing improving the journeys that people make most often. My ministers will strengthen education for the long term. Steps will be taken to ensure young people have the knowledge and skills to succeed through the introduction of the advanced British standard that will bring technical and academic roots into a single qualification. Proposals will be implemented to reduce the number of young people studying poor quality university degrees and increase the number undertaking high quality apprenticeships. My ministers will take steps to make the economy more competitive, taking advantage of freedoms afforded by the United Kingdom's departure from the European Union. A bill will be brought forward to promote trade and investment 
with economies in the fastest growing region in the world. My ministers will continue to negotiate trade agreements with dynamic economies, delivering jobs and growth in the United Kingdom. My ministers will introduce new legal frameworks to support the safe commercial development of emerging industries, such as self-driving vehicles, introduce new competition rules for digital markets, and encourage innovation in technologies such as machine learning. Legislation will be brought forward to support the creative industries and protect public interest journalism. Proposals will be published to reform welfare and support more people into work. My government will promote the integrity of the union and strengthen the social fabric of the United Kingdom. Working with NHS England, my government will deliver its plans to cut waiting lists and transform the long-term workforce of the National Health Service. This will include delivering on the NHS workforce plan, the first long-term long plan to train the doctors and nurses the country needs, and minimum service levels to prevent strikes from undermining patient safety. Record levels of investment are expanding and transforming mental health services to ensure more people can access the support they need. My government will introduce legislation to create a smoke-free generation by restricting the sale of tobacco so that children currently aged 14 or younger can never be sold cigarettes. Now, I was floored when I heard that because I, I yeah, had to just too. assume, like, he's talking about uh, never be sold cigarettes when they're underage. What is, what's the legal smoking age? Uh, I think it's 18. Yeah, it's, in, it's 18 uh, here. UK, yeah. But he's not, he's talking about, I mean, so, so all of that stuff, I mean, he, he could, he could literally be talking about America. Like if I, if you lived on the other side of the world and had no idea how Western politics worked, I could yeah, yeah. play you this clip and say, this is for America. And we would, you know, it, it would be completely believable. He's talking about all of the same things, jobs yeah, well, and that, that, inflation that is, that... and artificial intelligence and and the i mean i i can't say i'm surprised i mean rishi sunak just had a artificial intelligence summit at bletchley uh at the same time i did a, a i did a speech on artificial intelligence in uh cranfield at the innovation center dude wasn't um, wasn't elon there yeah elon musk was there um i was so really yeah i was awesome. really near that i was doing my own ai speech though um, and Kamala Harris was there because, you know, Ugh. we're very, we're very, yeah, we're very linked, <laughs> us and the U.S. We're very linked politically, especially because it doesn't matter what party we're, we're in. We usually toe the line and, and, and stay on, stay on the sort of uh, track that the U.S. is on, right, whatever party they, they seem to have, really. Um, so I'm, I'm not really surprised by that. I, this thing about smoking, I don't understand. Like, compared to when my mom was growing up in the UK, where everyone smoked, today, barely anyone smoked. 
I mean, really, it is small to, to the point where I don't think it's really a problem. If I had to say where there, where there might be a problem is underage vaping, not smoking at all. Like barely any kids smoke that I see. It's almost, it's almost weird to see a young, a young person smoking. And I don't smoke, right? Because I don't like it. I don't, I don't like the, um, I just don't like it. Well, I, I smoked for years. I smoked for years, probably 10 years. and. That's, there's nice a cough right in, right right before my smoking story. <laughs> <laughs> um and I can tell you so I, I when when vaping first arrived you know in in the little kiosks in the shopping mall I thought I got to get into that because I was single I was dating and and that was that's a a big turnoff for for modern women it's oh he smokes yeah, yeah, yeah. cigarettes gross so one of the big appeals to to vaping is uh it it doesn't sm- it doesn't stink there's no actual smoke there's no fire there's no uh you know no butt to to deal with when you're when you're done but the main thing that I can speak to from, from being a smoker is that going from smoking cigarettes to vaping makes a huge difference in how you feel from, from day to day. And you don't even realize it. You smoke cigarettes, you know, a a pack a day or, you know, two thirds of a pack a day. That's about where I was at, you know, at, at the height of my smoking, you don't realize you wake up in the morning and you feel awful. You just feel run down and, and deteriorated and really like you feel sick all the time. You just don't realize it because that's how you feel all the time. Once I started vaping, that went away completely. Even though I was still, you know, ingesting nicotine constantly, I felt head and shoulders better than I ever did when I was smoking cigarettes. So I can just say from personal experience, Vaping is better in terms of how you feel than smoking cigarettes. Yeah, sure. But oh, the- I have no, I have no doubt. But the problem we have right now in the UK is, like, if you're going to ban smoking, do I think that is actually going to have any meaningful effect uh, on it? No. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of underage vaping where they haven't smoked before, but they are vaping now. And I'm talking like kids as young as nine, eight years old. They're going into stores and they're being sold, you know, vapes, right? So those same people are going to be selling cigarettes to people born after a certain age because they don't give a shit about the rules. It's an unenforceable law. It it already happens. And and now people are going to think, you know, oh, it's the cool thing to do again. And maybe maybe more people start doing it. I think it's the completely wrong thing to do. And that comes from someone that barely never smokes and i don't like smoking and i'm saying do not ban it it just seems like a dumb thing to do it's a problem that doesn't exist in the uk anymore we don't have a problem with smoking in the country we just don't like the leading cause of death for young males is suicide and the leading cause of death for like old people is like obesity (laughs) where does smoke where does where does smoking come into it? it it doesn't because we don't smoke anymore as a country but young but very young children there is an endemic problem with, um, with vaping. And well, and the insidious thing about vaping yeah. is, is that you're still, now you're getting kids addicted to 
nicotine and they but they don't smell like a cigarette they don't have they don't carry a pack of cigarettes around in a lighter there's no like there's no warning signs they have this fruity delightfully flavored uh vape stick that's that that they think is cool because that's you know the times and kids want to be cool and they want to be grown up and and all of that and uh it's there it's total stealth and and nobody you know there there's no not even a prayer of a a parent going hey are you smoking you smell like cigarettes like that was me when i was in school my my mom going were you smoking and i i told i lied my ass off because i'm a terrible person (laughs) and she was like were you smoking? I was like, no, no, my, uh, my friends, my friends were smoking. That's why. Of that's course. Why I smell yes. Like yes. It's always a friend. Cigarettes. <laughs> and, uh, no, I think, yeah, I think it's a real problem because, you know, when kids are that young, you know, once you're 18, it's, you know, you're an adult. So if you want to fuck yourself up, do vapes or smoke cigarettes or drink a bunch of alcohol, I mean, I mean, that's on you that you're an, you're a grown adult and you can make your own decisions. Yeah. Personal that's totally responsibility. fine with me. Right. But when you're a child, okay, it's different. The reason why we have shit set up like that is because you haven't fully developed in your brain or your body. Like you haven't even gone through puberty when you're like eight or nine years old, really. And like, you, I mean, I don't know. if There's probably a study, but I can imagine vaping at that young age before you go into puberty with those chemicals and nicotine. That is not going to be a good idea. And that could have lasting effects for you. Then, then if you started when you were 18 or 21 or whatever, that's not going to have as, I'd imagine it would not have as much of an effect, if any effect at all, if you wanted to quit later down the line, than if you start at such a young age. I mean, well, it at just the very seems like, least, yeah, at, at the very least, it's, you're, you're depriving yourself of oxygen, right? When you're, when you're smoking yeah, yeah. and that is going to have an impact on your, on your brain development. I mean, anything that is going to diminish your oxygen intake is going to be detrimental to your health, uh, especially at such a young age. But yeah, I think, exactly. Yeah. Like, as you said, the problem is phasing itself out. Like, why? Like, most people, most kids start smoking because their parents smoke. Since smoking is right, becoming right. more and more unpopular, fewer parents are smoking. So more kids are, are, aren't, you know, seeing it and, and glorifying it. Oh, I wanted to smoke because dad does it. And I idolize dad, even though I'm, you know, I'm only 12. Of course, that's what 12-year-olds do. They idolize their parents. Oh, and yeah. they're going to pick up smoking because that's what dad does. And it, and it looks cool. And with fewer and fewer people smoking, that means fewer and fewer parents smoking, which means fewer and fewer kids looking at it saying, well, that looks cool. I think I'll try that out. So what do you think could be the motivation for such a heinous um, ban on, on something like that? You know, I don't really know because I, I think a lot of people see through this. I think the idea was that Rishi was supposed to, you know, this, this is a bit of a, a pet project for him. He wants to get people off smoking. And, 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 and I think there's a bit of a push in the country to revitalize the health of the country and perhaps that, that was an easy win for them because a lot of people already don't smoke but i don't get it it's, it's like banning riding a horse and cart around london <laughs> it would have the same effect like nobody does that anyways so like 
of what point is the law? If if the law is basically unenforceable and nobody is going to end up breaking it, like of what use is the rule? Like that that should really come into their minds. Like there aren't that many people smoking, and it we don't have a smoking issue in the country. We have an obesity problem, sure. <laughs> we have just like America has, and a lot of nations have an obesity problem. That's, we have a problem with, with with suicide and mental health. That's a problem. Okay, that affects a lot of people. But you know, does anything has anything mentioned about like the only thing I've seen mentioned in the UK is like bringing out a pill that's going to like help people lose weight or something, that, which that's is a big not thing a solution. Too. Yeah, it's like not a, it's not a solution. Like obes- obesity, you can't you can't just apply. That's the problem with society. People just fucking throw pills at shit. Like it's going to like sort their shit out, but it's not solving the endemic issue because let's say those pills run out, or let's say that person can't get those pills anymore. Or let's say that person can't pay for them anymore. They haven't fixed the underlying issue with their obesity, which is not the fact that they are fat. But the, the problem is, is what they're doing to get to that point. And if you take the pill, that, I mean, that's still going to, that's not going to affect what you actually do eat, right? Like that's going to just reduce the amount that you're eating. But if you're still eating like shit, you know, you're still going to have the other effects like high cholesterol or, you know, diabetes or whatever so i don't really understand it as usual the government acts in a completely strange and you know uncalculated unscientific way with the um with all of the the effort to ban you ban banning some things and 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 not banning others it's really strange to see like nothing is really being done about obesity or you know self-harm like you said suicide like mcdonald's is, doesn't sell salads anymore and they say oh well that's just because oh you know because covid and the economy and so we have to you know re- reduce the the menu to i mean what's what's more harmful to what's more harmful to the health of the greater population smoking or fast food yeah, that's the thing. I think it's very basic. And, uh, you know, in this modern world, people try to come up with all kinds of weird shit that they want to cut out of their diet or do different in their life. And really, it's very simple, right? It's very simple. If you just eat relatively well, get some exercise, and drink a bit of water, you're going to live basically a long-ass time. Uh, that's just the situation. If you, drink like, if you eat like shit and get really fat and have loads of health issues because of that, you're not going to live very long. I mean, it's, that's just the simple fact of it. You know, eating a special type of mushroom or doing some weird shit, you know, that you see on Instagram or TikTok now where yeah. people get trends and do all this kind of weird stuff. It's like that, that is, you know, there, you know, science has been around for like hundreds of years studying basically what makes what makes people live longer. And we're at to the point now where it's like we're kind of like min maxing how long the human body can really go. And it's because we have really good health care. We know how to fix problems like, you know, you don't die from a broken leg anymore. We have really good hygiene. Everyone has a shower or a bath, and, and soap is really easy to, to buy. And the quality of food that you can buy is far and beyond anything that's feasibly possible in the last, you know, 50 to 100 years. Yeah. Um, to the point where now we're at fast food where, like, you can get as much food as you really want. Uh, and now that's become a problem. We've gone the wrong way. You know, if you go back when food is a little bit more scarce, it was like, you know, it's, it's, it was kind of okay. But now it's like, oh, you can get as much as you want. And we're hardwired in our biological brains. We want shit with salt in it and sugar in it and, yeah. you know, 
it's like a dog. If you keep feeding a dog, like it's not going to say no, but you know, the dog has someone to say, no, this is all you're going to eat. Right. And you have to do that for yourself. Like, I don't think the government should, it's tough for me to say the government should get involved because it seems like a society or a systemic issue really that, that needs to be sorted out. Um, Maybe well, and if, we can do some can yeah maybe we should, we can do some campaigning around it or something but I always get a bit nervous when we're going to say okay let's get the government involved to try and solve the obesity crisis or tell people what they can and can't eat or something like that that's interesting for me yeah well and that's why I, the the personal responsibility conversation comes to mind because on mm, on yeah. one hand well we've been conditioned to believe that we have the government and these agencies looking out for us. But then we learn, oh, like uh, uh, canola oil used to be called rapeseed oil, and they used it to lubricate machines in World War II. Well, then World War II ended, and they didn't have any use for this rapeseed oil, so they decided, oh, well, we'll just use it as a butter substitute in in processed foods. And a lot of people uh, are suggesting that this is what's leading to the obesity crisis, because I'm sure I've probably brought it up on the show before, but people in Europe come to the United States, like, like they, they come for, uh, for school. They, you know, they go to college in the States and they eat all of the same foods that they ate in Europe, but they gain, you know, 30 pounds or something like that. And they, and they go, why? Well, why could that be? And a lot of people suggest it's because of all of the additives in the food are, I mean, either designed or it just accidentally happens to be that they cause extreme obesity. But I wonder, is it on you to know what you're eating, to realize that, that, uh, nobody's going to hold your hand in life and you have to have a little bit of knowledge and do a little bit of research and realize that if you're looking at two of the same items side by side, one package has uh, 50 ingredients on the back and the other package has four, which one, I mean, are are you responsible? Should you be responsible for knowing what you're eating and knowing what's, what's going to affect you? Or should we be relying on the FDA to make sure that companies that have a bottom line and want to maximize profits I mean, should they really be responsible or should the free market be responsible? I mean, I I think the free market should be responsible. I think people should be educating themselves and also be educated in the school system. And I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a far cry as well to say, hey, well, the schools should be educating people on what's healthy and what's not healthy. I mean, but our already beleaguered education system is going to take on this added responsibility of teaching students what's healthy or not. I mean, I don't know. I I feel like it comes down to the parents. I mean, the parents should be encouraging their kids not to smoke and they should also be encouraging their children to not eat food that's heavily processed and has 50 ingredients in it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's very interesting because with food, it's it's you have to be so careful because you know, us as humans, we need it. We have to have it. And so my only concern with having a completely free market around it is, let's say um, somebody makes a new, you know, somebody comes up with a new recipe for mac and cheese, right? And the recipe is like super fucking dangerous, but it's really cheap, right? 
and nobody else wants to buy the other mac and cheese because it's like twice as expensive. So everyone else follows suit. And so now the monopoly on now the monopoly or the the common thing to do on mac and cheese is that you just buy this shit. No one really knows what the fuck's in it. And it's really fucking dangerous. And there's nothing you can do because the free market says that people just want cheap and easy food. And that's the only option now. Your only option is like, there is no organic option. There is no healthy option. The only option is the one that's got all the stuff in it. And so I think there has to be at least some balance because on a very basic level, like we have to be able to at least have an option for us to go, I'm not going to do McDonald's. I'm going to do something else because I want to make an informed decision and, and have organic, uh, organic food and have that be readily available. Not everyone has a farmer's market near them. Not, you know, in, in a rural area, that's not going to be a problem because you know, there's lots of farms and there's lots of places where you can get you know, fresh meat, fresh eggs, this kind of thing. In a city, though, like this is, this is you know, your only option is the grocery store. Okay, so I think definitely ha- it's not so black and white where you have it, where it's, it's so heavily regulated that basically no one makes any money. And that's when you get like famines, like the Holdemore crisis in Ukraine or something. Uh, And the other option is like just fully free market where because basically like three or four companies control all the food in the in the country. Yep. Like the end the end result is like the cheapest, most like horrendous for your body uh, food ever that you then feel the effects of in five years time or something like that's I so I think I think there has to be some kind of balance in there. Um, for sure. But I think ultimately, if you have, if we have a balance where we regulate it and say, look, you have an option for this, but we also make sure you have an option for this. And then, you know, that's kind of on you. If you then still decide to go down the route of like, just basically ignoring what's going to happen, because one of the problems I think with society today is there are too many sort of circuit breakers on your life where Basically, people think today that you can just do whatever you want. And worst case scenario, you just go on welfare. Or worst case scenario, a surgeon can sort it out for you. Or worst case scenario, there's a pill that will solve it for you. And that's just the wrong way to look at things, man. Yeah. Like, someday or sometime, some shit could happen. Like, that shit is just not going to work anymore. Or you get yourself into a, into a situation where there is no help for you. And then you're fucked because you've never had to do that before in your life. So... I do think there has to be some checks and balances around, you know, how much we actually help people. And as much as I love to help people, if you go to the point of socialism where you just help everyone out for every problem and be everyone's fucking daddy, then nobody has any responsibility or any accountability for their actions. And that has now extended to their own body where they can just eat or drink or do whatever the hell they want with no impunity. And then... Once they get to a point where they can't work, they can claim disability. And it's like, you know, that is just the wrong way to look at things, man. I, I personally believe, like, there has to be, you know, there has to be no consequences. And I don't mean consequences, obviously, like legal consequences. But there has to be at least some consequences that you feel in your life for the bad decisions you have made from looking after your health. We can't, you know, as a society, especially now we're going to an aging population where, every person between the ages of 18 and 45 are basically going to be like, we need as many as we can get. Like we can't afford to just have people just cheaply eat themselves into like a spiral. And then just the rest of society that's working is going to pay for them out of the taxes and just support them because, you know, we're really generous. I am not generous, dude. 
you know, in that respect, I don't mind if people fall on hard times and I want to help them out. And some Nordic nations have that where you help them out for 12 months. And after that, you know, it's, it's gone and you have to then, then go and sort yourself out. I think that's, that's probably one of the way to go because, you know, where does, where we get off saying that, you know, if you want to eat yourself or get yourself in a situation and then indefinitely support them for the rest of their life, that's just fucked. Because that's, that's a disservice to everyone else that, that, you know, looks after themselves and works hard and pays taxes. Like, you know, that seems like, that seems like some fucked up shit to me. Well, you, you make a really good point because eating well, like often the organic, the, the, the farm fresh, the grass fed, all of that stuff is wildly expensive. Like even, yeah. even the heavy cream. Like uh, yeah, yeah. A, a liter, I think of of heavy cream is eight dollars versus yeah, yeah. A, a half gallon of uh, half and half is four or five dollars. the The cost of eating healthy is it, it almost makes it out of reach for some people. But the filthy, oh, for, yeah, disgusting, yeah, sure. chemical loaded, processed food that you can buy with your food stamps and your welfare card. That's all as cheap as can be. That's that's the cheapest stuff. I mean, you can you can go to the dollar market and and load up on food that's just terrible, terrible, and and loaded with chemicals. But wouldn't oh, absolutely, be, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be more effective to and 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 this is we'll we'll end on this, uh, you know, whatever theory pipe dream <laughs> that I am that I'm <laughs> about to line out here. I always thought. That instead of, I mean, this would, this would never happen because, uh, the, because the big food, food lobbies like Coca-Cola, for example, has lobbied hard in Congress to make, uh, their products to make Coke products purchasable with food stamps. But I feel like we, in, in, in this age, in this modern age where people can order their groceries Right, right to their door. People can, yeah, can yeah. buy uh, prepared meals packaged with dry ice and and shipped to them all around the world. Why couldn't we do that for the needy people that would normally have food stamps? And furthermore, why couldn't we do that with healthy foods sourced from the farms that we're already subsidizing in this country? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it makes it makes complete sense. You know, why are we, you know, why are we going to use our tax dollars just to enable people to do the same behavior that they were doing before? And let's just make something clear, right? You know, what I'm saying about like, you know, eating healthier or not eating healthy, it's it's a great it's a gray area, right? Like nothing's going to happen if you have like a McDonald's or so, you know, every, you know, even every week or something like that. You know, nothing's yeah, yeah. bad is going to happen, but it's it's being able to realize what you're doing is like fucking you up. Like if you start to gain a lot of weight and you just look at that and go, yeah, I'm not going to change what I'm doing. Like you're an idiot. Like, sorry, but you are an idiot. If, if like someone is like, if someone is doing something in your life that affects you, you're going to think, Hmm, I'm going to do something about this. Or I don't, I, you know, it's an obvious thing. And it's the same for food. Like if, if you're eating bad and you're seeing the effects of it, right. Fairly quickly you should think I am going to change something, you know, I'm going to eat less of it, or I'm going to change what I'm eating. And it doesn't have to be like the most expensive, most organic thing, like going from McDonald's to just normal grocery food 
that's like a great leap. Even like cheap grocery food is like infinitely better than like fast food, right? Um, and you know, the people that say that fast food is like cheaper than buying out, like at grocery stores, I don't quite get that. You know, when yeah, I go to McDonald's, because I do it every case, now and again. If that's the case, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, like it's 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 com- yeah, it's complete. But that's that is the reality of people. They go and they like gain a bunch of weight, or they like feel terrible, and then they go, "Well, I'm just not going to do anything about it because worst case scenario, a doctor's going to fix me or something like that." Yeah. It's like that's you know that's just completely ridiculous. Or I have and, a you know, I have a glandular in, problem, or my hormones, my metabolism, and excuses, excuses. It's like, hey, just yeah, because then they go to the doctor and then they go, "Oh yeah, I have." Uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I have like a, uh, uh, what is that? What is that thing in your head, uh, your brain? Um, uh, hypothyroidism, thyroid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People go on about like, you know, <laughs> thyroid issues are like so rare, right? That's like a genetic thing that people get or, you know, it's so rare. And it does make you gain weight for sure. And that's why you take medication for it. But like, you know, how many obese people, which is a great deal of population now, you know, use that as an excuse. And these use that as an excuse because then they can attribute some other cause to their problem that isn't themselves. And we need to change this about like society. We need to look, we need to, we need to destigmatize pointing at people and saying, you have an issue and you need to sort it out. Whereas right now we go, no, everyone's beautiful and everyone's cool and everyone's fine. Yeah, you can don't do whatever shame you want. Them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, we should, we should be like, no, you, what you're doing is fucked up and you're going to like die early. Yeah. And you're you hurting sort it out now. And if you don't sort it out, then, we're not going to help you because why should, why it feels, is it really helping someone if you continually enable their behavior through tax funded programs? That is not help. That is just like long term suicide to me. If you help someone do something fucked up and then they die early, that is not helping them. That's just, that's just like, that's just like putting someone on life support forever. You know, that, that's the same thing, essentially. That's what you're doing. They're just, they're just sat there doing nothing with their life. And they're just, you know, that's, that's not a way to live. I wouldn't want to live like that. And we should encourage other people not to live like that, to actually do something that fulfills them. And they become, you know, a fun- full-functioning member of society that, you know, maybe we'll get something cool out of it. You never know. Yeah. You have to inform and educate yourself. And, yeah. uh, after listening to this podcast, hopefully that it has been your experience. So visit vox404.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me on X, aka Twitter, or what, what did Elon Musk say? Uh, uh, FKA, formerly known as Twitter, uh, <laughs> at EarthVox. Uh, follow 404 at uh, 404 missing underscore link and uh send me an email the real earthbox at protonmail.com yeah thank you very much for listening this week and uh, join us next week you know i'm still in my travels, so you'll probably hear more about that as well as uh i'm excited don't be too down yeah don't be too down about this podcast and health and stuff stay healthy it's easy and uh read up about the king's speech as well lots of other bits and pieces of details and especially the stuff they left out which is almost as interesting as what was put in the speech so we'll see you next time